It's 12.09. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live. It's day eight at Summerfest. We are broadcasting from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone from our WTMJ mobile studio right here on the lakefront. If you are coming down, be sure to stop off and say hello. I'll be here till 3 o'clock today and then back tomorrow again. Love it down here at the lakefront. It is, I got to say, it's warm. It's kind of muggy. Um, when the breeze comes up off the lake, though, no better place to be. All right. I hope you enjoyed your 4th of July holiday. It's kind of odd when it falls in the middle of the week. But here's how I spent my July 3rd and 4th, and this is going to lead into the first thing that I want to discuss with you. Tuesday night, had a chance to go out and watch our very own Eric Bilstadt participate in the Menominee Falls Parade. Um, I, I was there with you know my family and uh, actually my um my stepdaughter went out, and she she and some of her friends, they stake off this area a day beforehand, and it was towards the end of the parade route, you know, and they do, they do it upright, had a grill, lots of food, so we got there, watched the parade, saw the fireworks, had a great time on the 3rd of July, so I did get my fireworks in on the 3rd of July, the Menominee Falls folks did a tremendous job. So we have sort of a custom, a tradition in, in my family. We have some uh, very, very close friends who live on the lake in Whitefish Bay, a little bit south of Clody Park, which is where they shoot the fireworks off. And so um, historically, we all invite themselves over. We all invite ourselves over to their house on the 4th of July so we can, you know, go out in their backyard and you can watch the fireworks. And it, it's just great. And they, they're always, I, I, I appreciate Tom and Meredith doing it so very much. And so last night was no different than that. So yesterday morning, I get up, went out, played 18 holes of golf in the morning, and it was nice, very, very hot. Came back, and it's one of those experiences, you know, take a shower, kind of hanging out. I, I put on one of my favorite T-shirts. It's a Jimmy Buffett tour shirt from 2005. Kind of watch the ball game, take a little bit of a nap. We were going to leave about 6.15. My wife says, okay, it's time for you to wake up. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. And she takes one look at my shirt, and she says, um, oh, there's a question mark here. She said, you're not wearing that shirt, are you? Now, of course, even though there was a question mark at the end of it, there was really an exclamation point. You know, you're not wearing that shirt, are you? And I said, well, why? She said, you're not wearing that. So, you know, we've got to get dressed again. So got to make sure we do that. So as we are driving over to our, our friend's house, I'm starting to notice these really, 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 really dark clouds that are sort of moving in. And by the time we get there around 645 or so, um, I, I it starts raining. First it starts raining a little bit, then it starts raining like Noah's getting ready to build a boat, and there's big cracks of lightning outside and things like that. Well, I mean, it's no problem for, for me at the time being, because like I say, we're going over to our friend's house, their backyard you know, abuts the lake, so yeah, you'd go out in the backyard to watch the fireworks, and normally on the 4th of July, we'd be out in the backyard you know, sitting around doing things, but at least they, they've got the house. So we're all inside the house as we're watching the, the rain come down, and coming down hard, with the exception of a couple people who draw the short star straws and have to go out and grill the brats and grill the hamburgers. Everybody else is is dry inside the house as we're watching this rain. And, of course, a number of us who are obsessed with things, we're looking at the radar, and you're looking at the storms that are kind of moving through. But anyhow, it, it rains like, like heck. I mean, it's raining really, really hard. Now, where I was, I want to estimate that the rain stopped probably around 8.30 or 8.45 for all intents and, and purposes. Maybe it was down to a drizzle, but most of the heavy stuff was, was really out over the lake. At the same time, around that time, Whitefish Bay ended up canceling its fireworks, and a number of other communities did that as well. Wauwatosa Police 
said that as of 8 o'clock, the fireworks display was going to be canceled. Germantown, Sussex, Elm Grove, they all rescheduled their fireworks along with Whitefish Bay for this evening. Shorewood canceled their fireworks. Um, they've yet to reschedule the date. Brookfield postponed their display. They rescheduled for Thursday night. So a, a lot of communities made the decision around 8 o'clock that they were going to cancel the, the fireworks. Now, I, I've heard from a number of you today People saying, well, all right, we, we, they ended up getting it wrong. Um, and, and here's the way the argument goes. If you were going to cancel the fireworks, you should have done it earlier on when it first started raining. Because there was apparently a lot of people that hung out at some of the parks and, you know, braved the rain waiting for the fireworks. So the decision was you should have either done it earlier or... You should have just gone ahead and done it because by 9 o'clock or 9.30, most of the rain, not all, but most of the rain w- was out of the area. So if you had all these people that were sitting around and they were waiting as of, you know, they're there at 8 o'clock, they've been getting drenched for the last couple hours, you know, why not hang out, wait for the rain to subside, and then shoot off the fireworks? At least that's what I'm hearing a number of people say um, in various emails and communications to me today. So let's tee this up. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Various communities throughout the area made the decision, most of them sometime between 8 and maybe 8.30 last night, as actually most of the rain was starting to move out of the area, to cancel the fireworks. Should they have gone ahead with the display, or was that the right decision? And for people who were looking forward to going to their local park, are you disappointed that they didn't go ahead and do it last night? Again, given the fact that most of the rain was over, admittedly, things were really, really soggy. Did the local communities get it right? 414-799-1620. I'll give you my answer, and we'll discuss in just a moment. It's 1215. This is Jeff Wagner, News Radio 620 WTMJ. It's 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Sean Mendez performing live this evening. 7.30 p.m. is when the show starts. That's at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. It is day eight of Summerfest. Stop off. I tell you, you wait all year for Summerfest to arrive, and then it seems like it goes so very fast. Four days left. Looks like the weather is going to be absolutely outstanding, so try to include a trip or two or three down to Summerfest over the next couple days. Let's start with Megan in Pewaukee. Megan, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. All right, did you get a chance to see the fireworks last night? Yes, we did. We live in Pewaukee, and we got out on the lake and uh, saw a great display. Now, my guess is, I mean, it. it I mean, it. I wasn't out west, but, I mean, where I was, it, it rained like heck. My guess is it rained like heck in Pewaukee, too, right, before the fireworks? It did. It, we, it did, and we just kind of held tight and stayed inside, and we live on the lake, so we just, you know, we're, we heard that the display was going to be great this year, and a lot of money and effort and time went into it, so we were really grateful that um, they went forward with it because we heard that so many other communities in the area were being canceled early. I just thought it was way too early to cancel the fireworks. So we are really yeah, so that, I guess so that's my question. Do you think that some of these peop- some of these places that canceled it kind of pulled the plug a little bit too early? Absolutely. I think people put way too much um, time and energy in looking at the radar like you mentioned. You kind of there's those people <laughs> that kind of look and you know obsess about the weather and my husband and I have always had the philosophy that we kind of just go with the flow and not worry about it too much and things usually work out the way they're supposed to. <laughs> That's a good philosophy. Thanks for the call, Megan. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Now, I, I do. I want to be fair here because, again, if 
a lot of the fireworks are supposed to start right around 9 o'clock or 9.15. I, I don't purport to know what the weather was like throughout the entire area, but I live very close to the lake, and we were driving home from the party that we were at, and it was probably 9.30 or 9.45, and all the rain was out of the area. Maybe there's a stray drizzle, and we actually saw some fireworks that were being shot off from a couple different locations. There's no question if you would have delayed the fireworks a little bit, all these fireworks shows could have gone on. In fairness, though, um, it, it had rained. I mean, it just poured around here. So I, I'm sure a lot of people that would normally put their blankets out in the park, for example, you know, they went home. So, you know, you could have had the fireworks go on last night. But in a lot of these communities, there would have been very few people there to watch them. And a number of the people that would be there to watch them would either be soaking wet or they'd be sitting, you know, they'd put their blanket on, on grounds that were soaking wet, which I'm sure is one of the things that... Um, one of the things that influenced the decision. Susan in West Bend. Susan, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Oh, hi. Are you, hi, Susan. Here? Hello. You're on the hi, air, again. absolutely. Hi. Oh, my goodness. Well, I was at the Wauwatosa fireworks, and it was a typhoon. It was right. really, really bad. I've never seen it so awful. And uh, so I think it caught everybody off guard. I mean, everybody in Wisconsin, they can tolerate a few sprinkles and whatnot, and but I don't think anybody was prepared to bring an extra set of clothing and an extra blanket. Like you said, it's just, it was really, really bad. And, uh, I was actually interviewed by one of the local channels and, uh, <laughs> they were kind of amazed on how bad it became. We, uh, we had our umbrellas, thank goodness. And, uh, I, I was soaked to the skin. I mean, and we were hopeful thinking, okay, uh, it's going to move out. So, we went to my daughter's apartment, got some fresh clothes, came back, and another wave hit. And the roads were flooded. My word, the water was running through the streets. Um, I think as far as what you're saying about the individual uh, uh, communities being closed, uh, a little premature, well, I think it's, you know, a case-by-case. Case. I think in Wauwatosa's uh, situation, it was definitely for the best interest of the community. For one, mm-hmm. there was lightning. And that was, you know, right. that's the number one. And then for two, uh, you know, like you said, everybody would be soaked and it would be uncomfortable. And then if you did wait long enough, it would be so late. They'd be All the young kids would be like, I want to go home. This is no fun. So I think. Well, and also as a practical. Yeah, I mean, it also is a practical matter, um, Susan. The, the reality is, if you're there with young kids, one, once that torrential downpour starts, starts, you know, you're going to run for cover and you're going to hang out for a little while. But after, after you know, fifteen or twenty minutes of pouring rain, if you've got little kids with you, chances are you're going to take those kids home. <laughs> you know, you're you're not going to sit around and wait for an hour or an hour and a half. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I um I am I, I appreciate how disappointed people were. I am disappointed that I wasn't able to see the fireworks. That I mean, I, I typically that is my routine. Fourth of July, go to the you know Whitefish Bay, see those fireworks. They do a tremendous job. I, I'm disappointed, but at the same time, it's easy for me to say that because I was in a house, and so our party went on. I was disappointed I didn't get to see them. But if you hadn't canceled the fireworks last night, 
um, first of all, I think you would be showing them, you'd be shooting these off, and, and most people would not have been sticking around to watch them. That, that's just the reality. It wasn't a little bit of rain. It was torrential downpours for a couple of hours. So even though it ultimately moved out over the lake, I, I think that the fact of the matter is most of the people, most of the people, except the real, real hardcores, most of the people probably went home. I think it's best to kind of reset. Sometimes when you're battling Mother Nature, Mother Nature is always going to win. And so I, I think it's probably best to reset. I know a lot of people are disappointed. I, I understand that there's probably going to be fewer people, even though it's going to be a gorgeous night tonight, fewer people that are going to attend these community fireworks than would have on the 4th. But my guess is there's going to be more people there tonight than would have been if in many of these communities you would have waited for the fireworks to go off, given just how terrible the weather was last night, even though I concede that by 9.30 at night, most of the weather had moved out. Jerry in New Berlin. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yes, good afternoon, Jeff. Well, I enjoyed listening to the show. Unlike the Thank you. communities around New Berlin, New Berlin did have their fireworks. I, uh, okay. would, I would volunteer with Musker's Discipline, one of the beer pans. And uh, when the storms came, the band, uh, one of the more popular ones in the walk a band called Rhythm Effort, they lost some power and they stopped playing for probably half an hour, 45 minutes. They only played till 10 o'clock, and then the fireworks were at 10 o'clock on the western part of uh, Malone Park. It was very, very nice fireworks. I don't know how many people left. I, that I couldn't tell. There was a lot of people stayed and watched them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, you're right, it was raining very hard at uh, John Malone Park there in New Berlin. And uh, I also noticed one thing, Jeff, uh, you'll find it probably interesting. I saw, I think, three, two for sure, drones that somebody had up in the sky that were filming the fireworks. Oh, really? (laughs) Thanks for the call, Jerry. No, I mean, I know know one of the things, I was actually a couple places over the weekend, I was seeing these things that were up in the air. And matter of fact, when I was at the Menominee Falls Parade and fireworks on Wednesday night, there were a couple drones that were flying around. I mean, this is one of these things where, candidly, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And, And people criticize either decision. I think last night, it was probably the right decision for communities if they decided to cancel. I mean, here's a text I have from Justin. St. Francis didn't cancel the fireworks, but even though it stopped raining about an hour before, many people left and the fewest attended in years. Yeah, it's, I guess that's that's kind of the case, and you're, you're always doing that balancing act. I also appreciate what Susan, our caller, was talking about, where she said you also have lightning because, you know, in, in all honesty, the party I was at, there were some big lightning that, that was over and, and we didn't let the kids out even not that I, we would have let the kids out to play even you know when it was raining that hard but once you see that lightning it's everybody inside you know and and that continued for a while so i guess i understand some people are disappointed but the communities that made that decision all in all i think it was probably the right decision to make if you got to enjoy fireworks last night i think that's great but look at it like this you get to enjoy fireworks tonight if you are so inclined. It's 1226. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1228. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Down here, it's day eight of Summerfest. This is Sean Mendez performing live at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. The show starts at 730 this evening. I, you know, I understand that there's people that think that, I don't know, if you protest and you get yourself on TV... It's going to inspire people to want to follow your cause. I think a lot of times people do stuff, and folks just look at it and say, I don't want to be part of that group. You had one of these stories happen yesterday. that The Statue of Liberty um, had to be closed. Earlier um, yesterday, 
Earlier in the day, you had seven protesters that unfurled a banner reading, Abolish ICE at the statue. Now, first of all, if, if Democrats want to run on a platform in November of abolishing ICE, I, I say go ahead. I think that's a recipe for electoral disaster. But anyhow, you have these people that unfurl this banner. So what they say is, okay, we're, we're going to close it. Then what happens is you have this crazy woman who decides that she's going to try to climb the Statue of Liberty. Now, she gets herself on TV. Footage shows her, you know, traveling around the base of the statue and then sitting in the folds of the statue's dress, um, at which point in time, you know, the police have to come out with ropes and ladders and they have to try to talk her down. And ultimately, you know, they catch her, you know, and they bring her down. She's now going to be charged with a violation of federal law. But she got her 15 minutes of fame. I mean, she got on TV and the Associated Press is saying, the woman said, this is, okay, she's somebody who's protesting the separation of immigrant children from parents, all right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So she got her 15 minutes of fame. She got on TV. But I guess my question is, does the normal person, the average person that looks and sees somebody climbing the Statue of Liberty on the 4th of July to protest, do they say, gee, this is this really dedicated person, I want to get on board with this cause, or do they want to say, what a kook, I don't want to be part of this? For me, it's what a kook. Who wants to be part of this group? It's 1235. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Summerfest. It's day eight. This performer, this band, it's slightly stupid. Not spelled the conventional way. It's spelled slightly S-T-O-O-P-I-D. They're performing at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse, 945 this evening. A lot of great entertainment on the grounds all day today. Stop down and enjoy Summerfest. All right. Now, let's let's just kind of lay this out here. As, as Governor Walker goes into the re-election campaign, um, he, he has a, a number of advantages. If you look at his poll numbers, his approval rating is higher than his disapproval rating. That that's that's good. I understand he has been controversial, but think things are looking pretty good. Also, if you look at the state of Wisconsin, things are we're doing pretty well in the state of Wisconsin. We're almost at full employment. I think people in general feel good about the direction of things. We're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. But in general, I think things are pretty good. So if you're running against Scott Walker, you're trying to figure out, okay, what is the strategy? And there's a, there's a lot of different polling that's going on. What is that thing that you can do to convince the majority of people that he should be replaced? Well, okay, you, you've always got Act 10. But I think most people see that Act 10 has accomplished things. That's not going to move the needle in a material way. You're, you're not going to get that 50% plus one, you know, simply by running on Act 10. Some people are trying to run on Foxconn. I think that that's pretty much of a, of a loser right now. You have people out state who, when they do the pollings, they say, they polling, they say, well, we're not sure that we see how Foxconn is going to help us if you live in Green Bay or you live in La Crosse. Now, I think that's kind of a short-sighted view, but but fine, it's out there. But that's not the type of thing that's going to motivate people to say, well, otherwise stuff is going pretty well, so I'm going to run out and I'm going to vote against Governor Walker because he's made this deal where, you know, potentially 13,000 jobs are going to be coming into the state. Now, maybe it's going to turn out that five years from now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now, Foxconn turns out to be a bust, but I don't see that happening at this point in time. So Foxconn isn't working. You've got um, 
some people arguing that, well, we, we, we need to figure out a way to run. Maybe, maybe we can run on, on the roads, you know, because obviously, you know, you've got issues with the, the roads. But the problem with that is, all right, are you going to run on increased, increasing the gas tax? Are you going to run on putting in toll roads? That's kind of a, a tough way to go as well. So you have a number of these people that are kind of floundering around trying to find the issue. One of the issues that they are settling on, and the Journal Sentinel writes about this, is calling, they're, they're campaigning on an idea of releasing people from prison. Now, now, let me back into this topic. Because of my background as a prosecutor, we talk about crime and we talk about criminal justice issues on this program on a regular basis. One of the recurring themes is how lenient the court system is. One of the ongoing frustrations is how hard it is to lock up people in the first place. How many stories do we have of the career criminal who's out, who shouldn't be out, who's committing crimes? How many stories do we have about the person that's out on bail after committing multiple crimes who commits some other horrible crime? How many stories do we have about the, the kid that got, gets caught you know, carjacking or car theft or whatever, and it turns out that they've done the same thing 8, 10, 15 times before, and they've never been held accountable? Well, here's the way the story runs in the Journal Sentinel. Democrats running for governor are campaigning on prison reform, with many of them calling for cutting the inmate population in half. All right. Um, running Wisconsin's prisons costs state taxpayers more than a billion dollars a year. Um, the facilities in recent weeks have held more than 23,600 adult income uh, inmates. The eight Democrats seeking to challenge Walker say that they would lower costs by scaling back the number of inmates. Among things that they're calling for is releasing inmates early, closing one or more prisons, so presumably the judges don't have a place to send people, and ending parole and probation revocations for people who violate supervision rules. All right, let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Look, I, I don't know if you're not going to get traction with Act 10. Don't know if you're not going to get traction with Rhodes. Don't know if you're not going to be able to get traction with Foxconn. But if you want to run a campaign based along on a premise of we need to release thousands and thousands of inmates, I think that is a recipe for electoral disaster. In my opinion, the last darn thing we need to do in this state is start opening up the prison doors and allowing people out earlier. What we need to do, and maybe this means that you have to make a commitment to building more prisons, I think we need to start sending more people to prisons earlier with the idea that maybe you can deter this type of behavior. And if somebody gets out of prison and screws up, violates the terms and conditions of their parole, or is put on probation and violates that, the last thing you need in the world is to not hold them accountable. One of the big reasons why we are in the mess we are in this state when it comes to crime is the fact that we haven't been holding people accountable. At least that's the way I see it. 414-799-1620, let's tee this up. Is this a winning electoral strategy? Are you more likely to vote for a candidate who says, you know, the problem is prisons cost a lot of money, and our problem is we have too many people in prison. We need to release them earlier. We need to make it tougher to send people to prison. 
I think that's crazy, but that's just me. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you be inclined to support a candidate who essentially is talking about, oh, I don't know, releasing thousands and thousands of inmates early and making it harder to send people to prison in the first place? 414-799-1620. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1241. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Summerfest. It's day eight. This, again, is Slightly Stupid, performing at 945 this evening at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse. Come on down and check it out. All right, I, I actually think that the election for governor might have been ended over the last couple days by some of these announcements as you have a number of the candidates who are going to run against Scott Walker trying to distinguish themselves and they're looking around for different ideas that that maybe something can catch fire but the common approach is too many people in prison and what we want to do is we want to release people 23,000 people in the state prison system now which by the way I agree is a appallingly large number but that doesn't mean that those people don't belong in prison and a number of the candidates who want to challenge Scott Walker are out there saying well here, here's what we our goal is in four years to cut the prison population in half well here's the reality you cannot cut the prison population in half unless you do two things number one stop the inflow of dangerous people into the system and that's a bad idea that's one of the reasons we have our problems now with carjackings and car thefts and violent crime is and people who run from the police with the reckless behavior it's because we don't send enough people to prison soon enough to get their attention so you have again we've become victims we've become sheep that are out there waiting to be preyed upon by this criminal element that's there so you, you can't make this happen unless you stop sending dangerous people to prison. Number two, you can't make this happen unless you release people who belong in prison, period. Now, the argument you get is, well, you know, how, how would we do this? Well, we do this by releasing people who are serving long-term convictions for marijuana. Okay, well, that, there's not that many people that are there. We'd get this by releasing you know, people from prison for selling marijuana. Well, there's not that many people that are in the Wisconsin prison system for you know, selling marijuana. That is this huge myth that is out there. Maybe a few, but not significant numbers. You cannot accomplish this unless you stop sending dangerous people to prison and unless you start releasing dangerous people. 414-799-1620. Let's see, um, our text line just exploding here. Andrew says, yes, let's make this a voting issue. Run, you guarantee an easy victory for Scott Walker. Dave and Racine says the same thing. It's definitely a winning strategy for Republicans. Thank you, Democrats. Mark from Bristol says, as a Republican, I hope they run on this platform. It will make the job of reelecting Scott Walker a lot easier. What a stupid idea. One of the dumbest things I've heard in a long time. Um, yeah, Mary in Mount Pleasant. Look at how well closing the juvenile prisons worked out. We're asking to repeat that disaster. Gene in West Dallas says the idea of releasing dangerous criminals into their hunting grounds is in and of itself a criminal idea. Um, Mark in Wapan says, as an independent voter, I will tell you this for a fact. If you want to release criminals to the streets early, you lose my vote immediately. I believe that, I mean, obviously, we're trying, in, in the Democratic primary, you have these different candidates who are trying to appeal to the hard left. 
you know, they're tacking to the left. They, they want the uber-liberal vote. And so what's the best way to get that? Hey, you know, there's too many people in prison. Let's release all these folks. Well, that's fine. Maybe that's what you need to do to get maybe that 20% of the voters who are going to vote in the Democratic primary. But what you do is you put yourself so far out of the mainstream that I think it makes it impossible for you to come back and get reelected. And I will tell you, if I were Governor Walker, I would have... Uh, again, this story that appeared in the Journal Sentinel and the comments supporting it by all these people who are running for office, I would have the ads ready to go the day after the Democratic primary ends. Because if you want to run on a platform of reducing criminal, uh, reducing the number of people in jail, go with God. But it is a losing strategy. And anybody who's been a crime victim and anybody who's been paying attention to the stuff that's going on, for example, in southeastern Wisconsin, where you have the car thefts, where you have the carjackings, where you have the violence, most of which is being committed by people who are either on their way to career criminals or career criminals themselves. For anybody who thinks releasing dangerous people is a strategy that's going to be effective, good luck with that. I just don't see that as a winner. As a matter of fact, this issue in and of itself might be might be the thing that swings the election one way or the other. It is possible the election was lost over the last couple of days when you had candidates decided the strategy was going to be let's run on releasing people from prison. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Todd in Milwaukee. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good. Hey, hey, what do you Jeff, think? I... I, I kind of sort of disagree with you in, in one simple way. Due to the fact I was arrested in Arizona in 2015 for a half ounce of marijuana. I set 18 months in their system. A nonviolent crime. Didn't hurt anybody. 18 months. But, you know, in Arizona, they only have two things going there. Mining and the prison system. That's where they make their money. Did you have a prior record, Todd? I did not, Jeff. Huh. Because I, I mean, thanks for call. I, I will tell you there there are there are. I don't want to say there's nobody, but I would be surprised if there's too many people that are sitting in the Wisconsin prison system for 18 months based on a first offense possession of a, a relatively small quantity of marijuana charge. So it sounds like either something else was going on, but th- that's not, you don't get, a, all right, if there's 23,000 people in the prison system, you don't get 11,000 on, on people that are there for small-scale marijuana. That is a huge myth that is out there. you got to work to get yourself thrown into prison. The people who are in prison, by and large, are people who have either committed multiple offenses, that is, they are you know, second, third, fourth offenders, or they've committed offenses for which there are crimes of violence that you have to put them in prison. That's where the vast majority are. Now, is it possible there's a couple people that are there for selling like, quantities of marijuana? Um, yeah, my guess is probably only after they've been convicted on multiple other occasions. But you only stop this problem. You only get these kind of releases, like I say, by shutting off the flow of people into the prisons. And does anybody think that's a good idea? 
isn't that one of the reasons why we have the problems that we do? Well, nobody, I think, no rational person would think of that. Now, when they talk about these ideas of well, mass incarceration, what that means is we don't want to send people who commit crimes that would otherwise justify have them putting in prison. We don't want to send them to prison. Well, that, that's that's great until you are the victim. It's 1251. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 12.54, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That's Machine Gun Kelly, who's going to be performing 10 o'clock this evening at the Miller Light Oasis. We are, of course, broadcasting live from Summerfest. During uh, the next hour of the program, Walmart, well, I tell you, I think they are getting something wrong. And I'm going to explain why many of you might disagree with me, but it was going to be an interesting conversation. Plus, so much for liberal tolerance, um, a noted, prominent Liberal scholar finds that he's not getting invited to any parties anymore because, well, he, he's actually sided with President Trump on a handful of issues. We're going to talk about that and the broader question about whether our divided politics in 2018 is causing you to lose family, friends and, and family members. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. Stick around with that. Here's one of the interesting things also that's going to be playing out over the course of the next couple of days. And it's going to be sort of a test for the Democrat district attorney in Jefferson County. Her name is Susan Happ. She ran for Attorney General unsuccessfully um, a couple years back. She's one of the people that's she's very, very upwardly mobile. Let's put it like this. She's one of the people that's talked about wanting to run for the state Supreme Court vacancy that's going to be created next April when Justice Shirley Abramson steps down. So you've got this upwardly mobile Democratic district attorney who's got a very difficult decision. Our former colleague, John Jagler, and many of you might be familiar with the story, John is a Republican state representative out of the Watertown area, which is where he lives. It was interesting because a couple months ago, about a month ago or so, when it was time for all the candidates to turn in their signatures, you've got to... Um, Depending on what office you're running for, you have to go and you have to circulate nominating petitions and get signatures on them. To run for state assembly, you need 200 signatures from your district. That is nothing. I mean, that, that, that's just absolutely nothing. That's, that should be like one afternoon at a county fair or whatever. But regardless, the number comes in. Jagler turns in his signatures. Most people, the rule of thumb is you turn in twice as many as you need. Well, the opponent, the woman who said that she wanted to run against him was a woman named Cherise Daniels. And she had gotten a lot of national attention as being, oh, this new breed of liberal politician that's going to challenge in the wake that emerges in the wake of Donald Trump and is going to challenge the establishment, et cetera, et cetera. She turns in. I think it was 205 signatures, which is, is odd, because like I say, you're, you're always probably going to lose a handful of signatures for a variety of reasons. So she turns in 205 signatures. That then becomes a red flag, because then what happens is your opponent, you start looking at it because you need 200. And if you can find there's mistakes, you know, you, you start to pursue it, and maybe you don't get enough to get on on the ballot. Well, in this particular case... What, what Jagler starts noticing is that a number of the people who've purportedly signed the nomination papers for his opponent are friends and known supporters of his. And he's kind of wondering, what, what's going on here? Why, why are these people who have been supporters of mine signing you know, my opponent's signature thing? And so he starts contacting them. He says, you know, did you, you know, what, I'm just curious, what, what is it, what have I done that made you sign my opponents? And these people are saying, 
we didn't sign. We didn't sign any of this stuff. And then you start looking at the signatures, and it appears, I guess, to the untrained eye that a number of the signatures are arguably in the same handwriting. And, um, well, there, there are some suggestions that um, this woman, I guess we, we don't know for sure, that this woman just forged a number or somebody on her behalf forged a number of signatures. Um, in any event, She's not on the ballot. The State Elections Commission decided, okay, well, you don't have enough valid signatures. And now the Watertown police are officially recommending criminal charges against this woman for forging signatures on her nomination papers. Uh, The Watertown Police Department said the investigators are calling on the Jefferson County DS District Attorney, Sue Happ, who is a Democrat, to file election fraud and forgery charges in the district. The release doesn't name her, saying the candidate, but says that only the suspect is an adult Wisconsin resident, age 30, which matches the description of the woman who was to be the candidate. Um, so now the, the ball is essentially in the court of the district attorney. It is going to be interesting to see whether the district attorney, a Democrat, decides to step up. We hear all this stuff about campaign finance violations and with campaign finance law. Well, now you apparently have a pretty clear-cut case of, at least based on what's public, of, of forgery and out-and-out election fraud. Now the question is going to be, will authorities do anything about it, or will politics play a role? Stick around for that. It's 2.59. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Summerfest. It's 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Summerfest. Got a chance to talk to a number of listeners during the break. My granddaughter and one of her friends stopped by. Nice to see everybody. Everybody's down here at Summerfest. So why aren't you? Stop on by, enjoy yourself. I'm broadcasting here till 3 o'clock and then back uh, tomorrow for the final weekday of Summerfest. Lots of great entertainment. It's just, it's one of these things. You wait all year for Summerfest to come and then all of a sudden, boom, it's, it's here and it's gone. Hmm. All right, number of things I want to talk to you about this hour. Let's start off with Walmart. And, and this is one of these topics that I understand going in, you might not agree with me about. But that's, that's fine. I want you to hear me out and, and let, us, let us discuss this. Walmart runs, a, Walmart has a, a website where you can purchase things from Walmart. This website, just kind of like Amazon, like if you go onto Amazon, there's some stuff that you're buying directly from Amazon, and there's other stuff you are buying from third-party vendors that are, you know, selling their stuff through Amazon, right? Walmart operates the same way. You go to the Walmart website, and you, you might be buying stuff directly from Walmart, or alternatively, you might be buying stuff from a third-party vendor. So here's what happens. Um, there is a third-party vendor who apparently was selling merchandise, sweatshirts, hats, jerseys, shirts, that say on the back of them, impeach 45. So what does that mean? That That's, you know, th- there is a, a segment of the, the population out there that can't stand President Trump and, and want to see him impeached. As we have talked about on this program before, I think that is an incredible losing electoral strategy. I mean, I think that I really under, I understand that there's people who... 
who don't like President Trump, that wish President Trump hadn't won. But I think, you know, I don't believe, at least at this point, there's any evidence to suggest he's competed, he's committed an impeachable offense. And I think this is kind of like the kook fringe that's out there. But nevertheless, this is out there. This is the Maxine Waters part of the Democratic Party. Fine. So there's this merchandise out there that says impeach 45. All right. And it, it's re- reference to, again, impeaching Trump. It's not being sold directly by Walmart. But it is being sold on the Walmart website by one of these third-party vendors. So what happens is uh, a number of people are investigating this. And um, the first person that saw this was a, a young man who's the chairman of a group called Students for Trump. And he sees that Walmart is selling this item. And then he sends a note to Walmart saying, what kind of message are you trying to send? At that point in time, then they, this thing just takes on a life of itself on, on the Internet and social media. And then you have people, you know, starting this in response, you know, starting a, a petition to, okay, let, let's boycott the Walmart site because they are selling this or actually allowing this thing to be sold. Now, the flip side, of course, is that on the Walmart website, through third-party vendors, you can buy all sorts of stuff that says, Make America Great, you know, the, the, the Trump slogan. And, and that's, that's actually being sold that's out, out there. So what happens is there's all this pressure suddenly brought by people on the right saying, you know, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be selling these type of things. Um, there's a hashtag, Boycott Walmart, that you know, starts to trend on Twitter. Well, anyhow, after this starts to get a little bit of traction, what happens is Walmart comes out and Walmart says, okay, we're going to remove these these items. We're going to stop selling the Impeach 45 items. But we are going to continue to allow, like, the Make America Great stuff to be sold. All right, now, I have tried, 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 and I pride myself on trying to be consistent when it comes to these various issues. Over the last year or two, we have talked about a number of instances where it's been people on the left who were outraged at one shirt or sweatshirt or another that they viewed as being politically incorrect. And you have the boycott this or boycott that and pressure being brought on the retailer to stop selling those items. And in general, my response to this has been, look, unless it is in really 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 poor taste and and i and you know and you know that when you see it but just the fact that you choose to allow something like this to be sold to me doesn't mean whether you're walmart or amazon or whatever doesn't mean that you are endorsing it and the best response as opposed to trying to organize boycotts or get a particular item of merchandise um pulled the best response is just not to buy it And if people don't buy it, then it's not going to be an issue. Well, in this particular case, it was people on the right objecting to impeach 45 being sold. Our number, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would I buy an impeach 45 t-shirt? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do I think that Walmart should have been pressured into pulling this off the market? And my answer is no, 
Because, again, the flip side is, even though I wouldn't buy it, you see this all the time from the other side, where we, we just have this intolerance of stuff. Impeach 45, I, I think I think it's a crazy, I think it's a losing strategy. But at the same time, I, I don't. this isn't patently offensive. If somebody wants to buy this and walk around and wear it, God bless them. I don't think Walmart should have given in to this, and I think I'm consistent because I've, I've identified all sorts of other things in the past where you've had people on the left that have pressured, oh, we've got to take this down, and people give in. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So, okay, let's tee this up and try to think beyond the slogan. Even if you wouldn't, even if you don't agree with the sentiment, do you think it's right that Walmart should have had to pull this off its website in the face of pressure. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 115. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest. It's 118. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest. This is Trampled by Turtles. Performing at the Briggs and Stratton Big Backyard, 9.30 this evening. If you want to look at some of the bands that are playing today, I mean, you got, like, Slightly Stupid, Trampled by Turtles. Before them, Dead Horses. I mean, there's, you know, you got some great names of some of the bands that are out here. Eddie Butts Band is here later on today. Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, they're performing at the BMO Harris uh, Pavilion. They put on a great, great show. WTMJ is your one-stop shop for all things Summerfest. Today's live broadcast at the big gig sponsored by Century Food. So stop off and check it out. Okay, if you're just tuning in, here's the deal. Walmart, on their website, there was a third-party vendor that was selling T-shirts or sweatshirts or jerseys that say Impeach 45 on the back of them. That's Impeach Donald Trump is what it means. Some conservatives find out about that. They start this hashtag boycott Walmart movement. Walmart decides to pull them. I think Walmart was wrong. And, And the reason it's not because... I'd buy an Impeach 45 sweatshirt. It's because I've seen this the other way around, where you have people on the left that become offended about this, that, or the other thing. Then they put pressure, and then the retailer ends up caving. To me, unless it is patently offensive, and that this isn't, okay? This isn't. I wouldn't wear it, but it's not patently offensive. But my idea is if people want to buy it, they buy it. If they don't, they don't. That's how you solve this. Let's start with Rick in Franklin. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, how you doing, Jeff? Yeah, listen, Hi, I, I think I think Walmart um, should have some uh, should have stood up against it and just let them go. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you know Trump's got a big mouth. You know he's got a name for everybody: Wacky Jackie, the recent thing with Harley, and then now he wants to mm-hmm. still help the foreign uh, uh, motorcycle companies and the hell with uh, Harley Davidson. I mean, what kind of president does mm-hmm. that? You know, and well, and again, I, I mean, see- there's you know. Well, Rick, I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, look, I, I don't, I, again, I, this to me doesn't involve the merits of the president one way or the other. I mean, I understand that there's people who support him. There's people, I understand there's people who are sympathetic to the let's, let's impeach President Trump. I, I get it. Okay, that that's fine. I guess I just think this is a different sort of thing. I mean, I think people should have the right, if they want to buy Make America Great hats on the Walmart website, I have no problem with that. And obviously, Rick, you wouldn't be one of those people who are buying it. Similarly, if if somebody wants to buy Impeach 45 sweatshirts, I don't have a problem with that that either. I mean, obviously, if it's something that's again, you know, violently offensive or something like that, that's fine. But but I'm I'm worried about where we're getting in this country, where it's that you can't 
you, you can't have anything that's remotely opinionated or remotely controversial without one side or the other getting uh, getting worked up over it. And like I say, I wouldn't buy one of these. I wouldn't wear it. But, you know, I've seen the flip side of this where people get offended on, from the left about some sweatshirt or some other sweatshirt, and then they start to pressure and people cave in. I mean, at some point in time, I'd like these retailers to say, okay, I mean, here, here's, here's the business world that's out. This is our business model. If people want to buy it, great. If they don't want to buy it, fine. But other Otherwise, you know, we're we're going to be selling stuff on an equal opportunity basis. Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I agree with Walmart. I think they're right for pulling it. I mean, it's a pretty offensive thing, you know, negative propaganda, impeaching a president. Come on, that's some pretty serious stuff that we're talking about. And like you're always saying, just because they have the right to do it, is it the right thing to do? And in this mm-hmm. case, no, it's not, because it's on a public website, I mean, Walmart's website. I mean, if you want to go buy it through a private, you know, smaller business, like, I don't know mm-hmm. if I can say the name, but like it tells your producer, it's the place where you can always buy it. But I guess, I mean, here, here's my question. I mean, they sell Make America Great hats. Do you, do you think that we, we should, do you think that people on the left should be saying, oh, Walmart shouldn't be selling Make America Great hats because, you know, that that's a supportive thing for, for President Trump? Yeah, but that's not a negative message saying, oh, impeach the president. You're just saying a statement. Yeah, it's probably offensive to the people on the left. I'll give you that one. But it's yeah. not, you know, saying you're going to impeach the president. Well, I, I, okay, thanks for the call, Jason. I mean, look, I... I, I mean, to me, there, there's stuff you don't disagree with. There's stuff you disagree with, and then there's stuff that is is offensive. And again, maybe this is like the Supreme Court justices always talk about. You know, it's tough to define pornography, but you know it when you see it. I mean, do, do I agree with impeach 45? No, I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't think that's a effective strategy or anything like that. But at the same time, we do have this thing called the First Amendment, and and it's not vulgar. It's not obscene. It's not sexually suggestive. I mean, my guess is that if you would go through that Walmart website, you would find a lots of stuff which more, more more people would find to be offensive or vulgar or whatever than impeach forty five, which is a political statement. And again, I. I, I, I you have to be careful with this because, and that's what I'm trying to make this distinction. Because you, you, you see regularly, you see people on the other side of the aisle that just get all worked up or exercised over, you know, something that you know people on the right might want to wear. And then there's this pressure brought on. You can't have it both ways. Um, let's talk to Mary on the east side. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Um, Hi, I'm Mary. Just, hello. I was just telling your. Uh a screener that it's time for us to move on to significant issues and cut out all this garbage. Whether or not Trump is behind it or his supporters are behind it, this is indicative of this whole presidency and the little petty things that we have gotten ourselves hung up on. In the meantime, we have children at the Mexican border without their parents, without families. We have people who are losing jobs, and we're pupsing around with a T-shirt from Walmart. Let's move on. Um, th- let's, let's grow up. Let's have a president and a presidency that deals with the real issues. Okay, well, thanks for calling, Mary. Again, this is, and I guess this is part of the problem why we, we can't discuss some things without without the whole opinion of people of President Trump one way or the other bleeding into it. I mean, because there's a lot of people who say, no, I, I just, you know, you want to talk about significant issues? Well, you know, we're on the other side of these different issues. 
I, I think this is one of those things, though, where it, it is reflective of this kind of larger thing and this kind of lack of tolerance one way or the other. And that's where I think the issue becomes important. Tracy and Delafield. Tracy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Okay, should Walmart have been forced to pull these shirts? Absolutely not. I mean, if that's the case, then I want to make America great. I want that crap out of there, too. You know, I mean, yeah. we're so sensitive. You know, you don't have to like the man. Or, you know, I see people all the time with Make America Great Again. I don't pay attention because I don't care. That's their that's their opinion. That's, that's, that's their thought. You know, impeach the right. president. You know what? Everybody wanted Obama impeached, too. And I was an Obama supporter. And did I care? No. It's yeah, your right. opinion. And it's so for Walmart to back down. Now, that was stupid. Not the shirt. I, not the slogan. Walmart was stupid. I just told them. Where to go? <laughs> you're, you're right. You're, no, no, jump in. Well, see, I, I mean, and, and I can I agree with you because it's if it, it, you see this on both sides. And again, right. I, thanks a lot for the call. I, thanks for the call, Tracy. I mean, I mean, I, I've seen this, and I have talked about issues similar to this over the last couple years, where it's people on the left that get all worked up over a they, they get offended by a, a shirt or something that's being sold that has this slogan or that slogan on it that objective people i mean it's not offensive it's not vulgar it's just okay it's a shirt and to me it's a whole free enterprise type of thing if you don't like it don't buy it and to go after the the vendor saying you shouldn't be able to sell this well again the question becomes be careful what you wish for because you're going to see this on the flip side so Here's we're going to mark the tape on this one. So the next time a situation comes up where it's reversed and there's something on the right and there's all this pressure being brought, pull this, you know, pull this sweatshirt, pull this T-shirt. You know, I'm, I'm going to look back to this segment and say, look, I tried to be consistent about this. Okay, when we come back, it is a fascinating story. Are you losing friends and family members as friends? Because of the political climate. I've got an interesting story to tell you. Stick around. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 135. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jason Isbell. He's performing at the BMO Harris Pavilion this evening at 945 at Summerfest. That is, they always put on a great show. WTMJ is your one-stop shop for all things Summerfest. Today's live broadcast of the Big Gig, sponsored by Century Foods. I love being on remote locations because every once in a while, you have these really kind of interesting and fun encounters. There was a couple that was standing out here. They're Joe and Amanda from McGuanago. So they were standing out there, and I, they kind of waved. And I said, well, we're coming up on a break just a second i opened the door of the vehicle and it came up and amanda says to me says i don't mean to sound stalkerish <laughs> and it's, you always kind of take a step backward i don't mean to sound like a stalker but but it was actually it was very very cool she said i'm, I'm one of your biggest fans and it's, her husband's there he said yeah she's a big fan he says you know years ago we saw you out at state fair and you signed a t-shirt for me the t-shirt has marinara sauce on it but i still have kept the t-shirt you know it's a, it's as a keepsake and so I said, well, I don't, we don't have any of those T-shirts and stuff anymore. But if I did, I'd be delighted to give you another one. But that, it's always, it's the fun thing. It's a lot of fun. But it, is, it always kind of gets your attention where, don't mean to sound like a stalker. I actually used that line once. We were, um, last October, my brother and I were, we went to visit my niece in San Diego. And it just so happened that uh, Jimmy Buffett was playing 
there. And if you're a regular fan, I have a regular listener of the show. You know, I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan. And at the airport the following day coming back, a number of members of his band, his band were at the airport. They were actually on our – it's not easy to get to San, San Diego. I think we flew through Arizona, through Phoenix. And so they were on our flight. And we're sitting – the flight was delayed a little bit. We're sitting around, and we're, we're kind of talking. And actually, I went up to the lead guitar player, and I said, I don't mean to sound like a stalker, but, you know, I've seen you guys all these times. It, very nice. Had a nice conversation. So it's always a lot of fun. Don't worry. Come on out. Say hi. You will not be considered to be a stalker. All right. I, I've been waiting all day to discuss this topic with you because there's a story that's in the news, but I, I think it, it's broader than, than that about you know where we are in this country in, in 2018. Alan Dershowitz. Yeah, I don't know. You, you probably know who Alan Dershowitz is. Alan Dershowitz is a, a constitutional law professor um, at, at Harvard. He is a lifelong liberal. He has written books on constitutional law. He was a supporter of Hillary Clinton. He has given thousands and thousands of dollars to liberal causes. All right. And, and that's but but he, he's a big civil libertarian. And, and that's been one of the things that has marked him for, you know, decades. He's a big civil libertarian. So um, he, he, for example, he was one of the guys that defended O.J. Simpson. All right. So big, big liberal. And he's kind of that Massachusetts liberal. He vacations on on Martha's Vineyard, which is I mean, Martha Vine- Martha's Vineyard is where if you know you're a hoity-toity liberal elite, you, you go to Martha's Vineyard. That that's one of the places if you're wealthy and stuff. Um, well, Dershowitz is saying that he's getting ostracized on Mar- on on Martha's Vineyard. Um, big story in both the New York Times and the Washington Post. Dershowitz is saying, "Hey, I, I've been going there for for decades." And what I'm finding now is that I, I'm not welcome. I'm not getting invited to these parties. My friends from before are shunning me. And he says the reason why is because he's been one of these people who has been publicly, he's been on Fox and other stations publicly defending President Trump. Not because he, and this is something that sometimes it's tough to separate, not because he supports Trump necessarily. A matter of fact, you know, he gave all sorts of money to Hillary Clinton. He says, I voted for Hillary Clinton. But because in his role as a legal analyst, you know, and, and a constitutional law professor, you know, he's been looking at stuff and he's been analyzing these issues and he's been determining that the Trump, as a matter of constitutional law, Trump is doing, you know, nothing wrong. For example, last summer, you know, he was making the argument that President Trump had the power to order James Comey to end the investigation into Michael Flynn. He said the president can, as a matter of constitutional law, direct the attorney general and his subordinate to do what he tells him. So he was saying Trump could, could do this. Um, he's been critical of the special counsel, Robert Mueller, who's been investigating Trump. But, I mean, his he said he thinks that Mueller's been sloppy in conducting the investigation, and he's raised questions about whether the probe w- was biased. So he's been, you know, he's been out there saying, as a matter of law, I mean, there are concerns. This is what the president, any president, has the right to do. And some people on the left have not liked it. And all these people who used to be his friends, apparently they're no longer his friends. How dare you go on television and and defend Trump? And his response is, well, I'm really not going on television defending Trump. I'm defending the rule of law. And I'm arguing why, from my perspective, 
as you know, a, a scholar in the area of constitutional law, why I think this is appropriate or that is appropriate or whatever. And and these people, at Martha's Vineyard, are apparently unable to make that distinction. And you know, so he he no longer gets invited to the A list parties, and and he's out there talking about it. Now, I for one, I don't care whether Alan Dershowitz gets invited to you know the the hot summer party or not. That doesn't make any difference to me. But I do think that what's going on is is endemic of what I think is going on all across th- this country. Um, we are very, very divided politically as as a nation. There, there's, there's no question about it. And one of the things I see a lot is that for, for some people, it is either black or it's white, and, and there is no grounds. And if, you, you know, if you're on one side of the issue, well, nobody can be on the other side of the issue, or vice versa. Or the people that are on the other side of the issue, they're, they're, they're evil. Um, and it can't be just that we reasonably disagree. So Dershowitz is losing friends because he has the audacity to defend Donald Trump, um, again, from a constitutional law perspective. I, I know we, we have, over the years, discussed this in various kind of contexts, but I thought this was a great story to kind of bring it all back home. 414-799-1620, that's the um, Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Do you find that you have lost friends or not able to to reach out and talk to friends because of of politics i for example i'm not on i don't i don't do facebook i i i don't i don't do facebook but i know a number of people who do do facebook and one of the recurring things that i've heard is that they've just there's a lot of people who have either been unfriended or who have just kind of just people have just dropped off because they don't want to be barraged with the politics. Um, they they just don't want to discuss this, or they're angry because somebody's on the other side. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Be honest. Do you find your circle of friends and, and contacts narrowing because? I don't know, you don't want to hear about their politics, or they don't want to hear about your politics, or it's just we can't talk anymore. Because I think that's happening with friends, and I also think it's happening with family members as well. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is politics driving a wedge between you and your friends or your family? 414-799-1620. Crew is lining up the calls. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to discuss this in just a moment. It's 143. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 146. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers continue their holiday homestand as they kick off a four-game weekend set against the Atlanta Braves. The two teams get started at 710. Our coverage starts at 635. It is sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Going out to the game tonight. Uh, looking forward to it after the sweep of the Twins. 414-799-1620. I, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, Alan Dershowitz, who's a big-time lefty lawyer, um, he, he says all his liberal friends on Martha's Vineyard, they're, they're not inviting him to parties anymore because he's gone on Fox and he's defended Donald Trump as a matter of constitutional law. He says, look, I mean, I don't know if you like him or not. I think he, I think a, a president, any president, has the right to do this, that, or the other thing. That position is costing him friends, and I'm sure that that's going on with other people as well. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tim in Milwaukee. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Tim. Sure. Um, I actually got unfriended by an uncle and his family 
because of the entire Act 10 fight. <laughs> your, 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 your uncle you unfriended you. You can't make this kind of stuff up. And it, it wasn't. It was one of those things where I didn't have a real strong opinion on it, one way or the other. But because right. I wouldn't take an opinion, I was complicit. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Right. Right. So, and look, yeah. so that was that was Act Ten. So that that's six seven years ago. It it and you you've had no relationship essentially since then. Not much. I see him here and there, but uh, still still no activity on Facebook or anything like that. It pretty much just disappeared. Uh, thanks for the call. Well, I, I mean, look, and I, I understand that people get worked up, and that's really kind of where it started. In Wisconsin, you, you had that, that whole de- debate about Act 10, and people like drew these lines in the sand, and, and, and people just weren't able to let some of these things go. Here's Lori in Milwaukee texts. One of my lefty friends chose yesterday to make a huge Facebook post about how he is quitting Facebook because he can't stand Trump and Trump supporters. It makes me sad to see someone I was close with get so angry and so unhinged. 414-799-1620. Let's see another text. Jeff, I've unfollowed two of my friends from Facebook because they kept posting about politics every single day. It just gets annoying. I don't want to see that every day. I think that's. I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of burning out for exactly that reason. Um, let's talk to Bonnie in Greenfield. Hi, Bonnie. You're on WTMJ. Well, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. This is actually yes, about one of my little sisters. She and my one of our cousins were very best little girl buddies, and I watched these little girls grow up since they were like two years old. I mean, they'd have killed for each other even when they were five and six, but they were very, very best friends. And one day on Facebook. One of the other cousins was having a conversation, and my sister's husband made a comment. Facebook being very public, he just joined in, made a comment. And this very best friend, little girl cousin, now in her 60s, unfriended her best friend, my little sister, and hasn't spoken to her since because of a comment made by her husband. She didn't even get involved. Well, and again, I assume they were talking about politics, right? I assume. Oh, yeah. Well, it was either right before or right after the election. And, you know, it was obviously the end of the world and we were all going to die. You know, Mars was right. whatever, you know. And right. the brother-in-law made a comment, and I don't even remember what it was. It was nothing earth-shaking sure. or no cussing or anything. But this very, very best buddy, little Dupops, just turned her back on duty. There were, those were the nicknames. And... She hasn't spoken to her since, and it broke her heart. I, you know, I, I guess I just don't get that. I mean, I, I understand that we all feel very strongly, and we, we care about stuff like that. But at the same time, it's it, it's amazing and disappointing to me that people get so worked up that you're not able to you're not able to recognize that people have different sort of viewpoints. And if you don't share this one viewpoint, then then you're not even worthy. And I guess it makes you wonder what kind of friends you were for fifty or sixty years if. If if one comment like this is going to cause you know the, the fact that you know okay that that's it you're not going to have a relationship well, and you're you're absolutely right I go on Facebook I look and if I don't like the comment I just skim past it you don't have to right. end relationships or slash your wrists or do anything serious just ignore it if you don't like it no one said you have to prove that yourself right. <laughs> well, well, right, or yeah, exactly. Or, 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 or yeah. Th- th- no, th- no, thanks for the call, buddy. Right, or, or you just don't. You just kind of don't engage. And like I say, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not on Facebook that much, but I know a lot of people do. And it's a great way to keep up with friends and family. And, oh, um, you know, people whose house we were at um, last night for the party, they just got back from like a week-long or 10-day Disney cruise, you know, through Europe. And it was it was kind of great to see them. You know, they post different pictures. Here we are at this point. Here we're at this port. You know, it was kind of cool to follow that. And, and so, I mean, there is this use for it. Now, I do think some people go overboard. To me, to me you know, okay, you know, is Facebook really going to be your vehicle for arguing about immigration or whatever? But all right, if you've got a friend that's out there that's doing that, then you just kind of don't respond. I, I do think that this obsession that some people have about talking about politics is no good, but it makes me wonder about what happens if you're going to really lose a friend over something like that. James and McGuanago. James, you're on WTMJ. Hi, James. There. Hi, yes. James. Yeah, I truly do believe that if you lose a friend, that friend was never really a true friend to you. You've got to be a strong well, person. And if well, you lose a friend, it wasn't a real friend. It was just an acquaintance. A lot of people say they got a lot of friends, which isn't true. A lot of people have acquaintances. They can count true friends on maybe... Two fingers, and that's the way I believe. And you should believe in what you believe in your heart, and that's all. Well, thanks for calling, James. I guess at the same time, though, I mean, I know this is split families as well because you have maybe you come from a family where you've got okay, a couple people who are on the right, a couple people who are on the left, and you know, and there, there's some people that want to kind of obsess about the political stuff. And I guess it's just, I understand that everybody cares about this, and I understand everything's passionate, but it, it is kind of interesting that, you know, you, you can't socialize with people. And I, I have people, I have friends, and I mean that. I mean, I have friends and acquaintances from all across the political spectrum. Now, one of the reasons, I, I people know what I do for a living, and my politics aren't any sort of secret. Um, when, when I'm not working, though, I try to, a lot of times just kind of keep it to myself. Let's talk about the Brewers. Let's talk about the Packers. Let's talk about, you know, where we're going on vacation. Um, to me, discussing politics is just too much like work. And so maybe my, my liberal friends tolerate me, and they probably make fun of me behind my back, but that's okay. Here's Mike in Marquette, Michigan. I haven't lost friends due to politics, but I've unfollowed quite a few people on Facebook because my news feed keeps getting clogged with the same political posts every day. Yeah, that is the, that is the factor as well, um, just that, that sometimes you're just kind of like overwhelmed by this type of stuff. Um, you know, and I guess you, you just have to kind of put it in perspective. Okay, here's Chris and Walkershaw. Generally speaking, my friends in real life and on Facebook know that my beliefs are strongly conservative to libertarian. I am not nearly as active on social media as I once was, which was more when I was more politically involved, just because I don't need the headaches that come with having long exchanges with some guys I had a single college class with once upon a time. Little is accomplished and nothing is solved. Recently, I made a post about one of David Hogg's uh, vile virulent screeds he's the the kid who's got his 15 minutes of fame and as a result of the uh, parkland shooting and it brought a predictable response of people i barely know in real life sadly a person i've known since grade school unfriended me and then later sent me a long angry message about why we can't be friends (sighs) 
I guess the answer is, you know, the, the question is, why can't we just all get along? It's because sometimes maybe we all take ourselves kind of too seriously, and I don't see that changing. It is unfortunate. Now, the fact that Alan Dershowitz isn't getting invited to fancy cocktail parties on Martha's Vineyard, I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. But, you know, if you don't speak to your cousin anymore because of this, that's unfortunate. It's 154. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 2.08, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us as we broadcast live from the Lakefront Summerfest 2018. All right, um, right right where we are at Summerfest, on the other side, right around the corner, there's a kiosk from L.L. Bean, um, which is a, a noted retailer. Matter of fact, my, my best friend's son works for L.L. Bean. They've, they've been in the news, and there's, just, there's a recent court decision. Matter of fact, it just came out yesterday or two days ago that I want to discuss. L.L. Bean, and they, they sell outdoor stuff. It's, they make outdoor gear. Um, they've been around for 106 years. And L.L. Bean has this reputation for, for the first 105 years. Their policy was, we will accept any return anytime. We will offer you a lifetime guarantee. Now, obviously, when you think about that, it's... It's intended, I, I think, to go after, you know, defective products. All right, you know, if, if you buy something and it turns out to be defective, you know, we'll, we'll take it back. But what was happening is at L.L. Bean, they had this policy where they would accept stuff back, um, no questions asked. So what was happening is people were, return- <laughs> people were returning things. Let's say you buy a pair of shoes. Now, now here's the, the reality. You can buy the best pair of shoes in the world. But, you know, after you've worn that pair of shoes over a period of time, what's going to happen? The shoes are going to wear out. The soles are going to maybe develop a hole in them. When it comes to, to clothing, you wear it for a certain period of time, and it will wear out. So what they were having happen is they were having people who would show up, and they'd say, okay, we, well, we bought this, and we bought it maybe 10 years ago. And now, hey, look at it. it it's defective. It's, it's worn out. There's uh, the, the thing's starting to give way, and we want to return it. And they would take it back, all right? The other thing that they started finding is that people would be bringing back items that they never purchased in the first place. So let's say you're at a flea market, and you see this worn-out, you know, L.L. Bean T-shirt, and you, you buy it for 50 cents, and then what people would do is they would say they would take it, and then they would return it to L.L. Bean, you know, without a receipt. They never bought it in the first place, saying, okay, we, you know, we, we want our money back. Here, look look at this. You know, we want to return this. I want a new one, or I want a credit, or whatever. L.L. Bean estimates, and this is one of the reasons why I, I actually, most times I love people, but every once in a while you hear kind of these stories, and you understand there's some people out there that are just, eh. L.L. Bean estimates that over the last five years, They've lost, they lost about $250 million because of what they call abusive returns. You know, and, and by abusive returns, it's, it's not a return for what you would t- anticipate would be a legitimate 
purpose. Rather, it's, again, I never bought the thing in the first place, so now I want my money back. Or it's something that is uh, an item that has outlived its usefulness, its useful life. It's been worn hard or whatever, and, and now, again, the shirt is torn, the the shoes are starting to fall apart after 10 years or whatever. Um, they estimated that over the last five years, abusive returns under their policy had doubled to about 15%. And so what, what they said is, okay, we, we've got we've to rein this in. So starting in February, they changed their policy. And their policy says for everything purchased after February 6th or whatever the date is, you've you got a one-year warranty. You, you can bring it back for within one year. But this lifetime return policy, it, it's gone. Now, what happened is, predictably, um, you had somebody who ran out and sued in federal court trying to start a, a class action lawsuit saying, you know, L.L. Bean has made this promise. They can't just unilaterally revoke this. And last week, a federal judge threw out the lawsuit saying, no, there's, there's no problem. You know, L.L. Bean can, in fact, do this. But now what's happened is there's this entire conversation about whether or not th- this change, saying that, you know, we're, we're moving from a lifetime warranty no questions asked, to one year, whether or not that's going to hurt their business. Um, what L.L. Bean does is they say, well, look, wait a second. You know, even at a year, this is one of the most generous return policies that they have. Amazon.com, for example, they've got a 30-day return policy. You know, we've got a year policy. And so there's all this speculation about whether or not this is going to hurt the company by saying, okay, you only have a year to return something. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm, I'm curious as to how, as a consumer, you react to something like this. I think it is important to be able to, you know, return goods. There's no question about it. If you buy something, for example, particularly over the Internet, and it turns out that it's not what you thought it was and it's the wrong color or it doesn't fit just right or whatever, I mean, I, I think a company has an obligation to take stuff back. At the same time, I also think, and maybe this is just me, I think a return policy of of a year is more than generous. Matter of fact, if it was 30 or 60 days, I think that that would be reasonable. And a lifetime guarantee, meaning that you know you can just take something back any time, I, I I don't know that that would make me buy something or not buy something. But I can sure see how it would invite uh, it would open up things for scammers, and that is precisely what was going on with LL Bean. So four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Don't know if you're an LL Bean shopper or not, but I mean a year return policy. You've got a year to take something back. Is that unreasonably short? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. My answer would be no. I think that's incredibly generous. And if I'm deciding whether I'm going to make a decision or not, and they say you've got a year. You've got a year to bring something back. I think that that's actually a, a bonus. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss next. It's 214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest 2018. 
216, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Sean Mendez performing as the headliner at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. It is Summerfest 2018. Be sure to check it out. The Brewers continue their holiday homestand as they kick off a four-game weekend set against the Atlanta Braves. The two teams get started at 7:10 this evening. Our coverage starts at 6:35. Sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. All right, um, LL Bean, which is a, a noted outdoor you know, seller. Um, they prided themselves. They had this policy, which for first 105 years they were in existence, of 100% lifetime guarantee. You can bring stuff back, you know, no questions asked, and we'll return it. Well, what they started finding is, especially the last couple of years, they were getting killed by abu- what they call abusive returns. That is, people that would buy an item, shoes. You, you wear the shoes for eight or nine or ten years, and they start to wear out. Then you take it back and say, well, I, I mean, I want to, this is defective. I want a new pair of shoes. Um, or people who would buy stuff at lawn sales or flea markets, buy a shirt for 50 cents or whatever, and then take it back and say, okay, well, I, I want a new one. Here, this one's worn out, or I don't like it, or whatever. They estimate that they lost about 250 million bucks. So what they've done is they've, they've changed their policy. They're now offering a, a one-year one year from the date of purchase, and some people are saying, oh, this is this is unfair, this is just terrible. I don't have a problem with that at all. Here's my text line. Losing the weasel clientele won't hurt them. Yeah, I mean, I think most people have reasonable expectations and that, you know, if you buy something, you know, and you don't like it, uh, a year is satisfactory. Um, here's one of our texts. The one-year return policy is unheard of. People should be happy with that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Kathy in West Bend. Kathy, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Kathy. Um, it's similar somewhat to what Duluth Trading Company does. Granted, you pay a lot for a pair of underwear through Duluth Trading Company, and I know a previous employee there that these people would bring back underwear 10 years later and say, okay, I didn't care. <laughs> right. But... You paid right. up. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not happy. Look at the. Look at this underwear. It's defective. Well, when did you buy it? Ten years ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But you paid up front for that guarantee. So mm-hmm. I don't. I don't shop at LL Bean, so I don't know what the difference in their prices as it relates to other places. But mm-hmm. I think the whole lifetime guarantee is pretty well stupid one year you should be able to tell if you like the product or not in 30 days you should be able to tell if you like the product or not um so right well i think what was happening is i think you know most people were were reasonable about it but what ended up happening is just like what you're talking about with duluth you know you had some people that decided that they were going to, I don't necessarily want to say scam, but they were taking it, they were taking advantage of this lifetime guarantee in a way that the business never really interpreted it to be used. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, thanks for call, Kathy. I appreciate it. And so, and, and by the way, my understanding is LL Bean says that th- this policy is, it only applies to stuff after February 1st or February 6th of last year. That, you know, the stuff that you bought beforehand is still, I think, covered under the old, um, I, I believe that's how they handle it. It's still covered under the, the old return policies and stuff. But clearly, they're, they're, they need to do this because there's people out there that I think are trying to 
take advantage of of a situation and maybe this is a case where you, know, you have some of those greedy people that are out there that are you know killing the the goose that laid the golden egg four one four but i don't fault llb and i don't fault any retailer i mean really you know i mean a year i think is more than reasonable i mean 30 or 60 days you should know whether you're going to keep the product or not judy on the northwest side judy you're on wtmj Hello. Yes, I Hi, think LL Bean is very, very generous with their year. They are a fabulous, fabulous company. Their customer service is second to none. I know I use them. I am an LL Bean supporter. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and and my my guess is it would never occur to you, Judy, to have. I don't know, purchased a jacket, say, you know, eight years ago, you wear the jacket a lot and it starts to wear out or give way or the collar frays or whatever. It wouldn't occur to you to say, hey, I got eight years out of this. Now I'm going to take it back and I expect a free one because, look, the collar's frayed. No, I'd order another one from L.L. Bean. Yeah, exactly. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. That's And that's what I think most people would, would end up doing. You know, it's, it is, in order of textures makes the point, you know, that there, there is a, a big difference between, you know, something that's defective and something that's worn out. I mean, right, something that's defective is something that's fallen apart. Something that's worn out is, gee, I, I love Allen Edmund shoes. I've been wearing, you know, I, I don't wear dress shoes that much anymore, but I mean, I just love Allen Edmund shoes. But the truth of the matter is, you know, if, if you wear a pair of shoes a couple times a week and, you know, after four or five years, it's going to wear out. The heels are going to deteriorate. You're going to get holes in the bottom of the soles. It's just one of those types of things. Joey in Waukesha. Joey, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks, Jeff, for taking my call. Uh, Hi, Joey. More than more than fair, and um, I had a recent experience with Menard, and um, you can say what you can about their quality of equipment. I will stand behind Menard forever uh, for family reasons. I had bought um, special order doors, maple. Um, they like for five years, believe it or not. Uh, I took them back after uh, I started getting ready for the house, and they were falling apart. And Menard's no one questions asked. Mm-hmm. Oh, their uh, local manager, and I will write corporate a letter. Yep. I'm sorry, your, your phone, uh, Joe. Your phone is cutting out for us. But yeah, I mean, I mean, and see, and I think there's always there always might be that that exception that, that's out there to a, to a policy where you look at something. And, and matter of fact, I, I had that happen a number of years ago with regard to uh, a big screen TV. And this part went out, and it was about 60 days after the warranty expired. But it was a part that shouldn't have gone out within the warranty period. And and I, I always appreciate the people that we bought the television from. They got involved with this, and they realized this was not something that, that should have gone out that quickly. And they worked with the manufacturer and ended up... I, I, we, we cut some sort of deal where I, I got some credit. I mean, they, I don't know. I think I had to pay for the labor, but they replaced the part or whatever. And, and so it was a situation where, I mean, technically, I'm not sure I had a legal leg to stand on, but there was clearly something wrong. This part, even though it went out outside of warranty, it shouldn't have. It was not one of those parts. Something was wrong with that particular part, and they stood by it. So there's always going to be those exceptions that are there. But I guess it's this idea that, you know, people should have this entitlement. And, and, you know, the larger point is, what what sort of person? I mean, seriously, you, you go to the flea market or you go to the lawn sale and you see like the L.L. Bean T-shirt there or the L.L. Bean shirt or the L.L. Bean jacket and you buy it for 75 cents. And then your first reaction is here. You know, we're going to go back and we're going to get a store credit or we're going to get new merchandise that we're going to turn around and sell on eBay. And actually what the folks at L.L. Bean found is 
there were people, believe it or not, that were making a cottage industry of doing exactly that. They'd, they'd go and they'd look for, again, they'd look for these items, they'd buy them secondhand, then they'd go in and they'd say, well, we don't have any receipts, because obviously and they're not the one that purchased it, but we want our money back. So it, the, the company had to do something. They're not the bad guy, and for all this consternation and lawsuits and stuff, I don't think that's going to hurt their business. It's 224. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 226. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Summerfest. This is Sean Mendez, who is the headliner at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. WTMJ, by the way, is your one-stop shop for all things Summerfest. Today's live broadcast at the big gig is sponsored by Century Foods. All right. What the government giveth, the government taketh away. Um, in Wisconsin, you are supposed to pay sales taxes for the stuff that you buy over the Internet. But the way the law, up until a Supreme Court decision, what came out last week, the, the way it was, was that um, the retailers, the, the, the online merchants, the people who sell you the stuff, they did not have to withhold sales tax from your purchase unless they had a physical presence in the state. So, for example, Amazon, years ago, did not have to legally withhold sales tax on stuff sent to sold to Wisconsinites. Um, now, that changed when they built the big facility in Kenosha, so now they had a physical presence. They had to do it. Amazon now does it, I think, for all 50 states. That's why when you fill out your state tax return, they ask you the question of, you know, have you made out-of-state purchases, and they ask you to voluntarily report um, how much you owe. Well, Almost nobody does that. That's just kind of a, a practical matter. So the, the effect of this is by the retailer, the seller not collecting this, the online retailer, essentially the state gets you know sort of cheated out of money that it should otherwise be entitled to. Well, the Supreme Court came out with a decision saying, all right, now retailers have to take out the money. That's, that's it. They have to withhold this. So um, it was announced earlier this week that starting October 1st, um, the state is going to start collecting you know, sales tax on purchases that you make from out-of-state vendors on the Internet. They estimate that um, this is going to generate about $90 million in extra revenue. Now, this would be money that you were supposed to be paying in tax, but you've been able to avoid paying because the retailers haven't withheld the money. Um, initial $90 million in revenue over the next year and $120 million the following year. So we're going to essentially be paying more in taxes, but we've always owed that money. So it's really not a new tax. It's just you know new tax revenue. But here's one of the interesting things that's out there. Um, the idea is, I, I think what's going to happen is that uh, Governor Walker is saying, okay, we're, we're going to be collecting the, this extra money. Now, again, it's not a new tax. It's money that should always have been taxed, but just hasn't been collected. So it's going to generate a lot of money. The plan is to return that um, by lowering um, income taxes overall. So it all kind of balances out. The estimate is that the average Wisconsin taxpayer, an average, will receive about $52 less in their taxes because we're now going to start collecting the sales taxes that have been collected in the first place. Uh, some people are saying, why bother? It's a new tax that Walker is imposing. No, not, that's not the case a at all. 
what we have is this is revenue that we should all have been paying in the first place um, that we're not paying. You know, it's a sales tax that people haven't been paying, which I think has disadvantaged local retailers, the brick-and-mortar retailers. I think it's more than reasonable. If you make this purchase, if sales taxes do, I think the retailer, online retailer should have to collect it. And what I think is, is really commendable is you have the state of Wisconsin is going to be reducing people's income tax to balance this out. So it's not really a new tax, and I think that's good for the majority of people. Right? 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Summerfest. Mexico is set to raise its levies on U.S. cheese from 15 to 25 percent. What will that mean for Wisconsin dairy producers? Gene Miller has the latest 621 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Speaking about that whole tariff thing, um, it, it's about to get a, a lot, a lot worse um, because tomorrow is the day that the tariffs against China are supposed to go into effect. And if that, in fact, happens, that's when you're going to see China that's going to immediately turn around and they're going to impose retaliatory tariffs, and then we're off to the races. And I I understand some people who are supporters of the president hate it when I say this, but the the bottom line of all this is I, you know, when he said earlier on that, that, you know, trade wars are good and trade wars are easy to win, I don't know what he was talking about, and you're starting to see that. We've talked about it before, and I'm sure we will discuss it in the future. I don't see how anybody wins in in trade wars, and you're already starting to see how this is affecting consumer costs, um, how, for example, Miller Coors that um, needs the aluminum that you put in beer cans, and there's not enough aluminum cans that are manufactured in this country to make to, make, to make, meet the needs, so you have to import cans. Well, the, the cost of that is going up for no reason other than that you've put these tariffs in place. I, I think... I think this is going to go down as a huge mistake in the Trump presidency. And this is from the perspective of somebody who has defended a lot of the policies. But but trying to promote a trade war, I just don't think is going to be good for anybody. And I think the president's going to um, come to regret this. All right, let, let's switch gears. There has been, over the last, I want to say, 10 to 15 years, I think a noticeable increase in what we'll call distracted driving. I mean, there's bad drivers that are out there, period. But the distracted drivers, the people who don't pay attention to things, and one of perhaps the biggest cause of distracted driving is is what? You know, and you, you've you only got one answer. you got five different answers, but the, the only the first one counts. And the answer is cell phones. I mean, you know, everybody nowadays is on their cell phone. And despite the fact that in a lot of the newer vehicles, you have the technology. I mean, most of the newer vehicles that are sold have the Bluetooth technology. So you can you can speak on your cell phone, but you can do it, um, you know, without actually holding the phone up to, you know, your, your ear. Um, the, the car I have, I've got a, a Honda CRV, And, you know, you can do it. All you have to do, you activate the Bluetooth feature in your phone. Um, you push one button, and you can control everything, and uh, you can operate it hands-free. It's really not that big a deal to do. Now, do I do that all the time? No, I don't. But but you can do it. It's not that big a deal. I bring this up because over the weekend, last weekend, Georgia became the 16th state to pass a hands-free law with regard to mobile devices while driving. It's now illegal to hold your phone while driving in the state of Georgia. It's a sweeping hands-free law. Um, Anybody caught breaking the rules, even tapping play 
on a Spotify playlist while not parked. Feature gets a $50 fine, which includes double for their second offense. Drivers can no longer, get this, have phones touching any part of their body while talking through devices. Um, that's the rule. So you, you can't have your phone in your hand. Reading emails, social media posts, and text messaging is banned, as well as writing any such content. While recording videos while driving, a practice that's frequently seen on social media, is banned as well. So you can't use your cell phone to record videos while driving. If you've got a dash camera, that is okay. But essentially, um, th- this is it. You, you cannot be in contact with your phone while you are driving, or else you get this fine. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does this law go too far, or is this just a recognition? Is it something you've got to do, because otherwise people will be distracted, and this is the best dealing it? dealing with it this is a compromise between you know no cell phones at all which is just not practical in today's world people are on their phones all the time for lots of different reasons should wisconsin be the 17th state to essentially go hands free no contact at all with your phones if you want to use your phone while you're driving it has to be bluetooth do we need to go this far is this an overreaction we're going to take a quick break we'll be back with your calls in just a moment but it's 243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Brett Young performing at Summerfest this evening, 10 o'clock at the U.S. Cellular Connection stage. If, if you're down here at Summerfest, that's, that's the new stage. That's the new revamp stage. It's amazing. I had a couple opportunities to walk down and check it out. It's just amazing how that they have done that. Eric had the breaking news story. Scott Pruitt, who has been the director of the EPA, resigning. Um, let, let me say this. I, I think that, that Pruitt has done an exceptional job. I, I like a number of the policies that he's implemented. The problem is he's been an ethical train wreck from the beginning. And I, I think sometimes you, you have to, I always try to do this, you have to separate it out and you just have to say, okay, just because I agree with a lot of the policies that somebody is implementing, does that mean you look the other way when it comes to things that would be ethical issues. And I want to be honest here, and maybe in tomorrow's show we'll we'll, we'll take a little bit of time and I can break it down in a little more detail. But I have to admit, I've been cringing as I've been following this ongoing debate. The the left has been out to get Scott Pruitt. I mean, there's no question about it. But it's been one story after another about his time. He comes from Oklahoma, and his time in Oklahoma and these kind of questionable relationships with donors and with people who did business with the state. And and I, I admit from a perspective of somebody who tries to care about good government, even if you agree with somebody's politics or their policies, it doesn't mean that you look the other way necessarily if they've been engaging in behavior that you think is unque- unethical or borderline illegal or just uh, we'll go back to unethical. And, and, and Scott Pruitt, from that perspective, from an ethics perspective, has been a lightning rod and kind of a train wreck. Now, I have no doubt that the left was out to get him because, uh, again, they disagreed with his policies, but that doesn't mean you look the other way. We'll talk about that in more detail, but that tomorrow probably. But that's the breaking news story, Scott Pruitt gone. What we're discussing right now, Georgia over the weekend became the 16th state in the country to go exclusively hands-free. So if you are driving in Georgia, 
you are not allowed to be in physical contact with your cell phone. So, yeah, you can still talk on the phone, but you got to use your hands-free operation. Is this too going too far? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. So I, I good think afternoon, these, sir. Uh, these legislators are just showing how uh, non-technical they actually are. I mean, when you look at these, these new cars, have radios that can support uh, Android Auto and Apple uh, CarPlay, so you essentially right. can do a lot of the same stuff on your phone through the radio in the car without ever touching your phone. F- furthermore, a- Android Google, who, who develops Android, has gone a step further with the Android Auto and said, look, we realize people don't even have some cars that have this technology. The majority don't. And we are going to go ahead, and in that software, we have a screen where you can actually have your phone display it as if it was the the radio system in the car using the Android Auto. So it really kind of dumbs it down a little bit. But, I mean, there's so much that you can do through that. So what are we really proving by saying you can't touch a phone, but you can stretch even further to touch your dashboard? Well, I guess that's the, the, I guess that's the question. Now, for example, on, on my car, though, you can... You know, everything that you need to do is, is kind of contained on the steering wheel. I mean, that's kind of the features. I can, I, I can change the, I can change the stations. I can, I can accept calls. I can reject calls. It, it's all on that steering wheel. And I have to admit, it's a lot easier doing that and probably a lot safer if I do that than taking your eyes off the, the road to look down at your phone. So, I mean, isn't this a positive step? Maybe. I think it's introducing a lot of people trying to do stuff that they normally wouldn't do with their phone or through the radio. Uh, as opposed to just the old, remember when you used to press one of your six presets? Right. And that's the way, that that's all you did in the car. I mean, it's a long ways from that. I think it's really making people think, oh, my phone can do this and can do that. Let's push it to that next level. And so now you've got grandma doing that, and that poses a bigger problem. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Well, sometimes grandma and grandpa are ahead of the, that, that curve. Steve and Amro. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yes. Uh, I'm a, a firm believer that we should pass the law regarding the uh, use of cell phones or hands-on while driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was uh, recently killed in a car accident uh, mm-hmm. due to a uh, person Distri- on a cell phone uh, uh, pulled out in front of him and, and he hit her. And uh, unfortunately, he was killed. And, and you know, it's, uh, I equate it to drunk driving. And do I you, think a law like this is long overdue. Do you, what do you do in situations where, like, like I said, I've got a newer car. I've got a two, 2017 car, and it's got all the bells and whistles. What do you do with the people that are driving the, the older vehicles that don't have all these bells and whistles in them? Um, do you grandfather them in? Or do you just simply say, okay, if you don't have the Bluetooth technology, it doesn't matter. You can't talk on your cell phone um, until you get a newer car. Uh, yeah, I believe that should be the policy. I mean, it's 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 uh, distracted driving, and, and it's dangerous. And, and you know, I, I've been in parking lots, and it's amazing the number of people you see that will walk out to their car, get in the car, and they'll back out of their parking stall, and the cell phone is up to their face. They don't yep. even, you know, it's it's like, what is wrong here? And, and uh, I I retired, and I gave up my cell phone when I retired. I 
I, I think the cell phones are way overused. Uh, uh, it, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And my job required that I had a cell phone, and, and I worked customer service. And if I got a call while I was driving, I pulled over to the side of the road, and I spoke with uh, my customer right. and handled the situation there. Uh, but right. while driving, it was just, you know, I... Okay. Sometimes I have trouble doing uh, more than one thing at, at uh, okay. the same time. So for me, it was just a policy that I set for myself. Well, Steve, thanks for calling. I'm sorry, I'm very, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, it's interesting. I have, I've been one of these guys, and I, I always try to, you know, think about my policies and think about the things I say and, and be willing to be, be open-minded to change. For years and years and years, I've been one of those guys who has said, no, look, distracted driving is distracted driving. And there's there, there's all sorts of things that could distract people. I mean, you want to talk about something that's distracting, you know, drive around, you know, with three kids in the back seat, you know, who are screaming at each other. I mean, there, there's all sorts of reasons why people might not be paying attention to to what's going on. You know, do we do we ban having three kids that are, you know, all under the age of 10 who are yelling at each other in the back seat? No, we don't do that. Do we ban people, you know, eating or putting on makeup? There's all sorts of things things that people do that would constitute distracted driving. So my argument has always been, well, do we need to restrict? Isn't that isn't the cell phone thing? Isn't that just another layer of distracted driving? And, and shouldn't we just punish distracted driving, whatever the cause is? And, and I think there's still a validity to that point. But, um, you know, over the last couple of years, as you see more and more accidents, collisions, crashes that, that come back where the, the cause of it was the fact that people weren't paying attention because they're on their cell phones. You couple that with the fact that technology is moving to a point where more and more people have the ability to use that hands-free type of thing. It, it's it's becoming, what's the cliche, it's becoming ubiquitous. I mean, it, it's not like it was eight or ten years ago where this was a novelty. More and more and more of the vehicles on the road have the capability that you could use something in a hands-free fashion. Plus, we've already taken steps in this way, in this direction, because we, we've now limited texting. You know, you're, you're not allowed to text and drive, and I think that's something that pretty much everybody makes sense on. So I, I've really been giving this a lot of thought because I was one of these ones who, again, uh, opposed having to make it hands-free. I do think that we've gotten to this point, though, in 2018 where the technology is so prevalent and more and more people do it. Is it going to guarantee that you're not going to have people, like our last caller Steve was talking about, that, you know, not paying attention and, and touching too many buttons or whatever? And you can't guarantee that that's not going to happen, but I, I do actually think it's it's a good, positive step that if you want to be on your phone while you're driving the car, you, you use hands-free operation. It's, it's like you can't have TV sets in your front in the, in the front of your car. You can't be watching that. I don't think this is a bad law. 414-799-1620. Tony and Franklin. Tony, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for my call. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling. I think it's a great law. I think it should be throughout the United States, to be honest with you. I drive truck for a living, and uh, it was mandated that we become hands-free the last three years, four years it started for us. And as far as technology goes, um, you can go simply go to Radio Shack, any of your electronic stores, buy a Bluetooth headset like I have for $100. You're directly connected to your phone, never have to touch it. Boom, you're done. 
Right. So you don't need you don't need to go out and buy yourself a new car. You you can do it. And if if you if you don't want to do that, then just don't use your phone while you're moving while the car is moving. Correct. And like I said, yeah. I anybody that uh, drives commercial vehicle has got to be hands free. Like I say, I yeah. bought a Bluetooth headset for roughly around a hundred dollars. You can get them cheaper than that. You don't need to yeah. tap into your car any which way or form. As soon as it rings, push the button on the headset, and you're talking to the person. Yep, without any th- thanks for call, Tony. I, I guess and again I I always reserve the right to modify my opinions, and for years and years, I, I've argued against this, but I, I've seen, I think the roads are safer because we have the laws. Now, I understand it's tough to enforce this, and some people don't pay attention, but I think the roads are unquestionably safer because we make it illegal to text while you drive. That That's just, it's a bad idea. Do people still do it? Yeah, I recognize it, but we should certainly be discouraging people from doing it, and I think the same thing is probably true about the phone. Some people can multitask, there's no question about it, but if you look at a lot of the accidents that occur out there, um, because people aren't paying attention, I, I, my guess is my guess would be seventy-five percent of the time people aren't paying attention because they are on their cell phones. If this makes it a little safer, isn't it perhaps worth it? We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out what Scott Warris, who's in for John McCure and Melissa Barkley, have on their minds for Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around. It's two fifty-four. This is Jeff Wagner.